my personal philosophy is stay positive and uh, never give up. Really, I'm not very good at taking no for an answer. Okay, so belligerent and stubborn then? Uh, I guess in British terms, yes. Hey, Rob Brown here on the Accounting Influencers Podcast, part two in a couple of interviews we'll deal with Richard Koppelman, CEO and Managing Partner of Aprio. Richard, great to have you on the show again. Great to be here. Thank you for having me again. Richard, uh, we don't have many guests on twice, so congratulations on that. The Aprio story is, is pretty game-changing. Just give our audience who haven't heard that first episode a quick 60 seconds of the Aprio story. All right, Aprio in 60 seconds or less. So 72-year-old overnight success. Uh, plotted along for uh, quite a while. We did our first merger. We were 60 years old uh, in 2007. And we, uh, well, I guess we were 55 years old, 2007. We did our first deal. We did two. We took a hiatus. Uh, 2016, we changed the name from HAW, uh, which stood for Habeff, Arigetti, and Wynn, to Aprio, which means head and heart. Uh, we drew, we created 31 fundamentals of behavior to back up the Aprio brand. Uh, since then, we have taken the business from 70 million in revenue, uh, which was in 2016, to 450 million of revenue going into 2024. That's 60 seconds of a lot of change. It is. And by the way, we went from one office, 350 people in Atlanta, to 2,100 people in 25 offices uh, in the U.S., Philippines, and Medellin, Colombia. And you've pretty much led the charge. You're, you're something of a formidable personality. Would you say you're a pioneer? Oh, I would not say I'm a pioneer. I'm a great steward of our business. Okay. I have an amazing team that, uh, that is on this journey. We're on this journey together. And uh, uh, I'm just doing what our founders set out to do, which was create opportunity for the next generation. Do you have a personal philosophy for success? Personal philosophy for success? Uh, my personal philosophy is stay positive and uh, never give up. I never uh, really, I'm not very good at taking no for an answer. Okay, so belligerent and stubborn then? Uh, I guess in British terms, yes. <laughs> That's I'm not a, a bad trait when you're leading a vision. Can I take that? I can just label myself. What did you say? Belligerent and? Stubborn. And stubborn. Okay. We're going to take that. Belligerent and stubborn. That's going to be my new, my new title. Well, well, the point is, as a leader, you can waver because there's so many voices speaking into the vision. So many people have an opinion and an agenda and a say on which way we should be going and how we should do it. So good leaders do need an element of stubbornness or strong will, strong mindedness to stick to the plan. You do need to stick to the plan. You need to have a plan first. I find that a lot of people don't have a plan. We've had a, a very well-written plan since 2015 that we continue to update every year. Uh, we're in the process of developing our 2030 plan, and we are sticking to, uh, sticking to our strategy. It's never, of course, a straight line. There's plenty of zigzags along the way. There has to be. That's just business. We have our North Star, though, well-defined, and we're, uh, you know, focused on that. And it's really around how our client needs to be served and wants to be served. Growth, scale, everything you've achieved is not a straight line. Good leaders pivot. They're agile. They change their mind on things. Is there anything in particular that you've had a U-turn or changed your mind on in the last few years? 
probably a longer list that we have time to <laughs> cover. Um, we had a, you know, I'll go back a little bit further. We had a uh, event that occurred that caused us to really rethink our wealth management business and how we were serving clients. Uh, we did that very effectively. And that business, I'm glad to say, is, is growing. Uh, we, of course, have had businesses that we have started and gotten into or service lines that we determined weren't the right fit. And we had to, you know, lay those off. Uh, the West Coast entry for us was not something that was planned, but it was an opportunity that arose. The cultural alignment was phenomenal. The, uh, the practices and the client fit was perfect. And although we were not focused on going to the West Coast at the time, we decided to charge forward. And uh, we've gone from zero to $30 million on the, uh, in the West region just in the last, uh, in the last 18 months. Fortune favors the open-minded. That's where the opportunity comes. This is good. It goes with that growth mindset. We talked that on our other episode. Mm. In terms of your own philosophy, there are no perfect jobs. You seem very passionate about what you do and you, you've got longevity in this game. You don't look like you're giving up to play golf and go and be a consultant anytime soon. So you're in it for the long haul. But as managing partner and CEO, you're in a unique position to talk about the, the leadership structure of a firm. A lot of people say the managing partner role is becoming redundant because partners cannot be managed. And the C-suite type approach, the corporate approach is coming in a lot more. Seems like you have a foot in both camps. What do you stand on that? Yeah, it's interesting. As we have evolved over the last seven years in particular with this you know, hockey stick growth that we've had, we have changed the organizational structure three times. We've rewritten our operating agreement uh, three or four times. And they've all been as a response to where we're headed and what we've accomplished and how we want to run how we want to run the business. And I don't think there's, if you do it right, I don't think there's redundancy in the role. Uh, we do, you know, call it CEO and managing partner, managing partner because of the operating agreement and the LLC, uh, our holding company, but the CEO title because of how we run the business. Hmm. And I view we're running a financial service, professional services business. And that means we're not just running a bunch of practices, which I think is where firms run into this redundancy and they have executive committees. And I think we do as a profession have to move beyond that structure. And we need to let our people be great client service professionals or great leaders, or sometimes a combination of both and, uh, and run it like a business, which means, you know, evaluating investments and, uh, growing through lateral ta talent, joining the firm and through mergers and acquisitions and technology changes, automation, all of, all of those changes that are occurring every day in our business require leadership, not management. And so my philosophy is hire great people and get out of the way and let them do their jobs. That sounds good. I'm just picturing Richard Kopelman as a 16 or 18 year old thinking I want to be a CPA. I want to lead a firm. I want global domination. I want all of this. What was it like back then in your early days? Well, at 16 or 17, I was definitely not thinking about being a CPA. <laughs> uh, that didn't happen until I was a sophomore in college. And I had a call with my dad 
because I didn't know what I should do. And he said, accounting is the language of business. My older brother, one of my older brothers, uh, who's a partner here at the firm, Mitchell, give a shout out to Mitchell. Uh, he was already at that time a CPA already here at Aprio. And uh, so that was my path in yeah. terms of deciding. And uh, I'll also mention that, and this was key, I had a professor, Dr. Keith, so a little shout out to Dr. Keith at USF, that when my, my dad passed away when I was in college, uh, I was a junior, and I dropped most of my classes that semester, but I kept my accounting intermediate class, and Dr. Keith was about the only professor on campus that was compassionate about what I had gone through, and um, I've actually sent him some emails recently just to say hello and touch base with him. Uh, he had lost his wife a few years earlier. I don't know exactly when. So he had experienced a loss as well. Uh, that, I think, had a pretty pivotal emotional, you know, uh, uh, I, I probably had an emotional response to, to that. And, and I think that also locked me in and, uh, you know, continued my path in the, uh, in the accounting program. What would you say is the best piece of career advice you've ever been given? Well, initially, I was it was get the CPA exam out of the way. That was <laughs> pretty pretty important. Well, I almost left Aprio once, and my critical career advice was to stay. Right. That I received uh, from a couple of our partners, and I think the story is you know told now. So that was the right decision. That was a pretty key part of, uh, of, of advice that I was given. Uh, I joined a CEO group and that was advice given to me by a client. That was pretty critical. I have lots of probably little tidbits. Like one time I was with a client and I said, why don't you show up at some of these events that we have? And he looked at me and he said, if it's that important, you are my accountant. You are going to call me and tell me what I need to know. And I think everything we need to know about client service is encapsulated in that statement. What's the biggest thing you're working on right now, Richard? Well, the biggest thing I'm probably working on right now is uh, top secret and I can't share it. Uh, What's the biggest thing you're working on right now that you can share? <laughs> but what, I, what we are working on is going to be trans is definitely going to be transformational. You know, it's interesting. The biggest thing we're, you, you asked was the biggest thing we're working on right now. I would say in 2023, if I can a little bit in answering your question, in 2023, it was about bringing together Aprio and a number of other firms, nine other firms in total that more than doubled the size of the business. And that was pretty critical transformation. As I look forward to next year, uh, institutionalizing process and moving to enterprise level technology and driving automation and global teams are some of the things, big boulders that we are focused on uh, looking forward into the next uh, 12 months. And final question, if I made you the global czar of accounting worldwide, top of the tree, everybody, every professional association, society, governing body, every firm, every qualification, everything else is to you. You are the top. I'm interviewing you right now with what question? What, what would you sort out first? What would be top of your priority list? I don't even know how to answer that question. 
if I was the global czar of accounting, um, what would I do first? I well, you'd have the chance to change anything you wanted. You'd have the chance almost to start from scratch or, or change anything because people would follow you. So, well, I'll give you something that is just, it's not possible. Can I give yeah. you the possible? Well, the job's not possible. So you can certainly give me a suggestion that's not possible. You know, it would be amazing if we didn't have the restrictions that exist today in practicing globally. Sure. And if there could be truly be firms that are just global firms, because although people think they're global, we all know in the profession they're not. But that would be a fascinating shift to, uh, to do that. And, uh, so that would be, uh, that, that, that's one. I'll give you that one. Well, Richard Copeland, that's a great vision to end on. Thank you so much for your time and your passion today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me.